This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, boys and girls. It's Friday, May 26th here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew Let's do this thing, bets. My man, this is the episode last year where we talked about Justin Jefferson to an offensive player of the year. And I'm not going to, you know, say we found the, the bet for Justin Jefferson from last year that equates to this year, aka who is it going to be? But I think we found the bet, Kyle. And I'm very excited to talk about it today. So this is going to be a fun episode. I love the awards market. It is the best because you can put a little bit of money on a lot of stuff. You forget about it for six, seven months. All of a sudden, at the end of the year, you're like, oh, sweet. I'm holding this ticket and actually has a chance to cash. So it is a fun uh, fun market to bet, in my opinion. I feel like this episode, Divisional Award stuff, you and I kind of get to mind meld because what we do is we prepare our notes, we do some study, and then we don't tell each other what we like and then we try to guess beforehand, like, hey, do you like this? Like, this is, like, like without telling me, Tell me if you like this player. And there was one on this episode that you and I just knocked out of the park when we looked at the entire market. We said, we are in sync. We already have our money out there, and it's surely going to win. So as listeners, you get to be in on the fun before the markets move, right? I mean, this this is going to move. Uh, honestly, I think it will. Because when people listen to the price of the player that we we're going to say today, of just how egregious it is, I think everyone's going to run to this book. They're going to put some money on it. And maybe by like Sunday, uh, Monday, maybe next week, I think the price could be gone. You can get all of our stuff, all of our picks, all of our DFS related content, our new optimizer this year in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. Our best ball rankings come out in a week. So a week from now, you'll get to play around. On the app, so on the Ultimate Draft Kit app this year, we have the best ball primer. We break down every single team, their team outlook, their team metrics, stackability, who we like. And just to tease that for you, for today's quick question bets, before we get into divisional stuff and awards, let's walk through a team. 
let's kind of give people the audio version of what they can get. So maybe we need to do that. We need to just have me sit by a fireside and read, read every single the entire best ball primer <laughs> with a glass of wine or a glass of whiskey in your hand, just swirling it as you're reading about, uh, you know, the Bears' pass rate <laughs> this year. Just that's what the people want, right? It would be funny because. There's a lot of words in this thing. We've teased and talked about how it's a short novel. The Ultimate Draft Kit Plus is going to approach 80,000 words. So if you just need some extra time on the toilet this year or next to a fire, this is it. So let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. And we do this for all 32 teams. But the Buffalo Bills, what we do is we talk about the team's outlook, kind of recap last year, talk about their setup this year, the team metrics, how you can stack this team in best ball, and then how we are personally attacking it. So bets. Give us kind of the overview of the Bills from this past year and how they're looking into 2023. Yeah, this one's very easy to break down because when you consider the team led by Josh Allen and a very good coaching staff, we look at you know a couple of things. The personnel they have, what they like to do from an offensive philosophy standpoint, and then as well, what the betting markets are telling us as far as how many games are they favored in, are they favored to win the division, all those sort of things. They check all those boxes. Last season, they were third in points per game, 11th in plays per game. And they were number one in neutral situation pass rate. So we are buying into the fact that that's what this team is with Josh Allen. They scored 27 plus points in 10 of 17 games last year. So you are going to get not only spike weeks from a week to week standpoint, but we think you can maintain that with Josh Allen throughout the entire year. So overall, we're very in on the Buffalo Bills. And then the nice thing about it is, you know, this is a team that, you know, Diggs and Allen go very early, which you talk about in stackability. But there's a couple pieces that are kind of falling down the board a little bit later on. So you don't have to force, in my opinion, if you get Josh Allen, you don't have to force it. You can kind of wait and let one of these guys fall to you. But all all in all, the metrics say this team's going to be great. The betting markets say this team is going to be great. And Josh Allen clearly has a ceiling we want to chase every week. You're getting news that Josh Allen might run less. Like there's been little quotes here and there. But I kind of ignore that from projecting. He's elite. And I think you could say that he underperformed to a degree last year when you consider how much he turned the ball over and his sack rate, like it was higher than it's been in years. So I don't really care to look at that kind of news and say, oh, this this is makes me off Josh Allen. I have him as my number one quarterback, which is kind of different in some ADP markets. Like you're going to find Jalen Hurts getting boosted up, Patrick Mahomes. But I find that Josh Allen stacks. If you go that route, if you get Josh Allen late second round, if he falls to there, the backdoor stack options I like. So Gabriel Davis is someone that we'll talk about in a second. Like I like the value this year. I love Khalil Shakir late. Like if he gets the slot snaps, maybe that's good. I think the biggest question mark is what you do with Dalton Kincaid. He's being drafted as the second highest rookie tight end in best ball like era since 2015. That's really hard for me to pay that price. But with Allen, you just keep it clean. Like you, you you don't have to force a Diggs Allen stack. Like I think that if you're doing that, you're basically all in at the one, two turn and saying, this is what I have to do. But Allen and somebody like Davis is showing up a lot. And I tend to not stack Allen with running backs. Here's a hot stat since 2018 bills. Running backs have ranked 26th, 23rd, 30th, 30th and 31st in fantasy points scored. And that's due to Josh Allen basically being this team's goal line back. So I'm a little lower on stacking in that regard, but I I have a lot of Gabe Davis. And you like the price this year too? Especially when you compare it to last year, right? I mean, it was crazy where he was getting steamed up on underdog specifically 
like at the round uh, three, four turn, sometimes, you know, he was going in the top 40 picks often, especially by August. And, you know, that's an extremely um, pricey uh, price to pay for a guy who's very boom bust. Now, the uh, the, the cost of, of acquiring Gabe Davis for your roster is obviously much lower. You know, you're talking four or five rounds below where he was last year. And so when you think about it, he doesn't have to do as much to pay off his ADP and be a solid win rate guy for you. We also have to remind ourselves, you know, the situation you may, th- may think, okay, they add Dalton Kincaid. Well, that can't be good for anyone not named Stefan Diggs. It has to hurt them. But when you think about Dalton Kincaid, like I picture him playing either as the tight end, which would hurt Dawson Knox, or play as the slot wide receiver, which would hurt, you know, maybe Khalil Shakir and Deontay Hardy types who they just don't play the same sort of game that Gabe Davis does. Like they don't have Gabe Davis's replacement on the roster. So unless something happens where he has a falling out, major injury, I picture him being out there on the team, you know, running a route on 80 plus percent of Josh Allen dropbacks, playing 85 to 90 percent of the snaps like he did last year in two wide receiver sets. So I like him at that price. And you also consider, you know, he dealt with injury last year. Maybe that played into his production more than we thought. I'm still not sold that he's a incredible talent, but we're not drafting him to be that at these prices. So I like him if you if you do get Josh Allen and you missed out on, you know, Steph Diggs, I think he's sitting right there for you a few rounds later. Yeah, wide receiver 40 is light years away of what you were paying last year. Like this is this is a good three or four rounds that you're getting different. So I love the I love the cost and you're just not relying on them the same way. Like people were drafting their team and Gabe Davis was like somebody they were hoping would finish in the top 15 or whatever at, at the wide receiver position. So you can get all of those picks. You can get everything in the best ball primer in our rankings in the app at ultimatedraftkit.com. Let's get into it. Hold them or fold them. Time for another vague drop on this show. I I think that's what people care about. I mean, you asked uh, Al Borland to just pick one, just pick a random drop, and that's what he chose. And I think that's pretty fitting for you know for today's show. So I like it. We will be looking at every single division, talking about some award markets. We're going to move a little bit faster through these divisions, not talk about every single team because some of them just ain't happening. Sorry, Cardinals. But last episode, we did our win total spectacular. We walked to every single team, their schedule, talked about you know who who's set up with their strength of schedule, with games they're favored in, games within a field goal, our schedule-adjusted wins. So go back to the last episode, walk through every single team. But I wanted to give this hot stat for divisional winners. And I think I've done some good digging here. I think it's good intel, but since 2015, at least one team drafting inside the top 10 also won their division. And to go even further, to take it even further, since 2015, at least one team that had five or fewer wins the previous season won their division their next year. So you're looking at last year, Jaguars, three wins the previous year picked Trayvon Walker number one, won their division. Year before that, it was the Bengals. They had four wins. They draft Jamar Chase. It went all the way to the Super Bowl. Okay, so it's interesting to me because it's not just saying, oh, that team was bad last year. It's also what do they have this year? Do they have a fourth-place schedule where they benefit from it and the markets don't really realize it? So just saying at the beginning is an interesting stat and also to say I like there's at least three teams 
in the divisional markets that I could say, hey, I, I confidently think they have a better chance to win the division than what the market's saying. So we'll talk about those as we go. But I, yeah, I'm just going to say there's, it, the trend's going to continue. In my we should have used that. One term. of these. <laughs> dang it. We missed we, it. I think we. <laughs> Let's start with the AFC East. The Bills are heavy favorites at plus 115. Jets at plus 280. The Dolphins at plus 300. And imagine picking the Patriots at plus 800. Any lean on this division for you? It's a three-team race. You know, we're, we're out on the Patriots, even at this price. The Bills, I'm not going to fault anyone for for choosing them. However, I think the Jets are probably one of the better value plays when you consider the odds, the strength of the team, the strength of the coaching staff on this roster. We talked about the rest advantage for New York on last week's episode, saying the over on 9.5 is probably the right play. It was like minus 130 last week. I haven't checked what it is this week. But minus 130, minus 140, if they win 10 games and they hit that over, they win 11 games they hit that over, they are right there in the mix with Buffalo to win this division. So if I am going to bet one of these teams, I mean, I love the Bills. I love the Dolphins as well. Don't get me wrong. But I think at plus 280 on DraftKings, that is a pretty solid price. I'd just rather bet that than take over nine and a half. It's just a better price. Yes, I've I've bet the Jets already when it was at plus 300. No I also, I'll, I'll preach this throughout divisional stuff, but divisional conference, Super Bowl stuff, I usually don't bet a ton before the beginning of the year because the markets kind of overreact a lot. So the Jets have an interesting schedule. Andy's brought this up on the main show. The first six weeks are, are actually pretty rough. Then it evens out, and then they have a stretch where they don't leave New York for like six straight weeks. So the Jets are a team, even if they get off to a bad start, I'm I'm still interested. I think it's I think they're set up. They have Would you 12 advise, games within a f- Kyle, sorry to interrupt you. Would you advise then waiting to bet it and say, look, if you can predict that they're going to be three and three or you know something like that to start the year i don't know what what they actually would be but if you predict them to get off to a slow start but think they still can recover and win it would you just wait and bet it after week two or three like when they potentially could be down a couple games i think you can do it i i still i mean plus 280 i think is better than what it should be so i'm fine betting it now i just can see the markets move in a direction where it's not taking into account here's what their schedule is going to do the rest of the way so jets at plus 280 and then the bills I still think that's fine value for a team that I have projected for 10.9 wins. So don't mind that at all. They're obviously strong. AFC North. Let's talk about this one because I legitimately could tell somebody that all four teams can win this division. And I think there's value with all four teams. So do you have a certain lean right now? I mean, we had talked about the Bengals last week, just kind of saying like the under probably was the correct side of it. Not that we're fading Joe Burrow or anything like that. It's just, you know, when you consider the strength of schedule, when you consider the fact that the division got a lot tougher, assuming Deshaun Watson returns close to somewhat of what his form was before last season, and Kenny Pickett and the Steelers, you know, we kind of like them in year two here as a, a better team than I think the market suggests. So this is probably the toughest division for me to diagnose. And oh, by the way, we think the Ravens have a great chance to go over their total and and compete here. So I have not bet any of these personally. For me, I'm going to kind of wait and digest more information as the summer goes. But right now, like you said, you can make an argument that any of these are the right play. Because the division's so tough, I just think I'd lean away from laying or from uh, from betting plus 140 on the Bengals. This is going to be the division that ruins some of my divisional parlays. So I do this, uh, I do round robin style where I don't put much on it. 
But man, all, all four teams, I think you could make an argument. I wish the Browns, like the Browns are in a spot where I could totally see a bounce back from Deshaun Watson. They have a fourth place schedule. There's a lot to like there too at plus 425. So the Ravens probably feel like they should be at plus 200, and I think they'll move in that direction in just a little bit when we get more intel about their offense, Todd Monken, how it works. But, yeah, like I mentioned last episode, like this division, everybody went 3-3 three and three in this division. So don't just think that the Bengals are just going to run away with things. Their schedule says that they're favored in 15 of their games, which is a monster total. But like with any team, it's fragile when you have injuries or you know just bad bad luck variants. So I'm probably off this, but I still like the Steelers over as probably the one that I that I like the most in this division to, uh, over eight and a half. AFC South. Does anybody have the stones to bet somebody <laughs> other than the Jaguars? <laughs> we talked about that last week. You know, it's like it just feels like the most square bet of all time but also you can really see a path where it is the right play even at minus 150 which i have bet it's moved on a couple of books i think i saw it on fanduel at like minus 160 on caesars it was like minus 170 so if you want it grab it now because i do think it's going to move in you know away from you and to a point where you're like not going to lay minus 200 right that's you would never do that but at minus 150 i think it's still a pretty good play mostly just because of the fact that Two of these teams are sporting a rookie quarterback. We've talked about the issues with that in terms of teams hitting their win total. And then the Titans, I think there's a chance that Mike Brable can keep these guys, you know, keep the train on the tracks through maybe week 9, 10, 11. But beyond that, who knows? We saw it fall apart last year. And the team behind, you know, Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and the, the rebuilt offensive line is very, very, very fragile. So I think the Jaguars are the right play, even at this minus 150 cost. I agree with you. It pains me to say that because it feels like such a such a turd to be able to say, hey, minus 150, go ahead and bet this. Yeah, it's but, not good advice, but it also feels like there's no other way to do it. The Colts are the only other one that I would consider in this division at plus 500. I think this what you're hoping for in that scenario is that they win this division with, I don't know, nine wins, eight wins. Like you're hoping it's ugly and that they just win that way with the third easiest strength of schedule in 12 games within a field goal. So that's the most in the division. So keep in mind with the Colts, their variance was so bad last year. Their their point differential was horrible. They tried something called Jeff Saturday. Saturday. How'd it didn't that go? Work. Oh. It, <laughs> it, Sad uh, times. <laughs> I know. I know. I, you feel bad for the person that's like, hey, we, we, we tried it out, buddy. It's not working. So, Actually, real quick, Kyle, before we move on, I just thought of this. We're going to talk about the offensive rookie of the year market in a minute, but this feels like a good spot to just slide a little note in here. Anthony Richardson is nine to one on Caesars to win offensive rookie of the year. If you think the Colts potentially can compete with the Jags for this division, wouldn't you rather just bet offensive rookie of the year for Anthony Richardson? Because presumably he's having a good season if this team goes over their win total and they're in the mix for the division. You're getting way better odds to do that. I don't mind that at all. The in terms of just straight up like that's mispriced and it's different on DK, but the offensive the team needs to get close to playoff or they need to have like an outlier like insane rookie year. Like Garrett Wilson, most targets for a rookie wide receiver since Anquan Bolden. 
when we get to that market, we'll talk about like the case because I'm I think Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are just off my board for that. Like it's just I just don't see them putting up the raw numbers. And I've used this comp before. Vince Young won Rookie of the Year, throwing like 15 touchdowns, but got the team to the playoffs and ran the ball enough that it didn't really matter what his completion percentage. So that's are you saying that's the route for him if it's rough and ugly for the Colts? I mean, not even that it's rough and ugly, but like if the Jags for some reason stumble, they have an injury, you know, they win eight games or something like that, and and the Colts can win nine and just barely sneak in. If they win the division, like yeah, you you hit your your five to one here, your plus five hundred bet. But in those scenarios, Anthony Richardson presumably is having a pretty good season. He's running. He's maybe throwing more touchdowns than we project. He hits that ceiling outcome, which I don't think is very likely. But in this market, the nice thing about it is you're not playing median. You're playing the ceiling outcome. And so at 9-1 to one on Caesars, you're just getting better odds for, I think, a relatively similar outcome, in my opinion. So what I heard you do is just bet them both. <laughs> just bet him to win rookie and bet just, him to win the Just bet the- double down, parlay it, whatever <laughs> you can do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. It's... It's not a fun division to bet on, but we did talk about the win totals. Like in that part of the win totals, we went through every single team and said you can make a case. Let's finish the AFC with the West. Chiefs at minus one sixty-five. Chargers, our Chargers at plus three forty is just begging us, begging us to bet them. But I feel like if you're betting that, you're basically saying Patrick Mahomes gets hurt or something. Uh, yeah. Broncos plus five fifty. Raiders. Plus eleven hundred. No, thank you. <laughs> How are you taking well, this division? It's wild that the market thinks Jimmy G and company have less of a chance to win their division than Mac Jones and his boys, uh, which I think is kind of wild. But maybe it's right. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, again, a, a three-team race, and you—if you even really want to whittle it down to a two-team race or a one-team race, as the odds are saying—I think it makes sense. Like, if you're not betting the Chiefs, which I, don't, I would not lay minus one sixty-five or wherever you can find it, that to me is not something that is a profitable strategy because we talked about the Chargers, and if they do go over their nine and a half win total, which we said might feel right, like I would just rather take a long shot on the Chargers at plus three forty or get into one of these award markets, um, you know, Justin Herbert for MVP or um, Brandon Staley for coach of the year, something like that. So I'm not in on minus 165. That said, I can't fault anyone who wants to bet on the best football player on earth and Andy Reid, who's a great head coach. Oh, I thought you were mentioning Justin Herbert or Keenan Allen. as the best ah, Okay. No. <laughs> minus 165. So the Chiefs, we kind of forget this. Like they had a spell at the beginning of the year where it wasn't lights out. And I tend to look at players that are front runners like Patrick Mahomes, like the chiefs, Josh Allen, like teams like that, where I wait, I tend to wait until maybe halfway into the year usually because things stabilize. They hit a little bit of variance and the markets kind of overcorrect. So last year, it's not like Patrick Mahomes is just the shoe in to be MVP the entire year. In fact, Jalen Hurts was the dude when you got to about week 13, 14, the markets had shifted in that direction. And I said, hey, I'm going to go with Mahomes here because I think he has just as good of odds. It just happened to be that Hurts got hurt and then Mahomes boosted head. So I find that with front runners like that, I'm waiting for the market to kind of overcorrect and find the hot thing in the first month. And so the Chiefs might be a team that changed from minus 165. It's a tough schedule. 
this whole division has a tough schedule, let's be honest. So you can see things get a little uglier here, but uh, the Chargers at plus 340, I bet, because I'm a sicko, and <laughs> I like searching for something with the Chargers. Yeah, it, it's bad. It's just max pain every year, but we're back for it. <laughs> All right, take a quick break and then come back with the NFC. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Back with the NFC East, another place where you could place a very, very, very square bet, and I actually kind of like it. Eagles at minus 120. That stat I gave earlier of there's been a team picking in the top 10 that won their division, I'm just like, wait a second. The Eagles are cheating here because they had a top 10 pick. So remove your fan bias and give me your take. <laughs> Oh, man, Kyle. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. I am wearing an Eagle sweatshirt today for, for everyone at home. Um, but, you know, minus 120 isn't the same price as, like, minus 165 we just talked about with the Chiefs. If that was the case, I would say it's probably not a good bet because we saw what, what Brian Dayball could do with the Giants last year. They did improve the roster a bit this offseason, and he's a great head coach. I do think they can do enough to, you know, be in the mix for – nine plus wins as we saw last year so that certainly feels like an okay long shot but then when you go back to Dallas like I get the Mike McCarthy stuff I get the the talk about resting the defense and running the ball and all these sort of things but I think when the chips are down he knows Dak Prescott is is the dude and he knows that you know he can put the ball in his hands and they can win games and Dak has shown he's an excellent quarterback I know last year the turnovers were an issue but that is fluky from year to year so for me I'd be fine if anyone wanted to take a long shot on the Giants or say you know what the Eagles are overpriced you know they're going to have a much 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 more difficult schedule this year last year their schedule was a complete joke the Eagles was it's going to be tougher this year so I don't hate the Cowboys at plus 190 um but, you know, certainly top to bottom, roster-wise and coaching staff-wise, I think the Eagles are probably uh, the best team in the division. I think it's still a smart bet at minus 120. I'm shocked that the books have it this way. They have the easiest schedule when you look at just Vegas forecasted, you know, in the division. They're favored in 14 games. 
Their win totals at 10.5. We like the over, like just in our schedule adjusted projections. So does Warren Sharp. I think this is one of the easier plays for me in division where I thought it would be minus 150 or more. I think that it will change pretty pretty soon. And down the stretch, I think they have some easier games too that's like, okay, well, like the Cardinals in week 17. Like they could rest their starters for week 17 and 18 and still win this division. So Ooh, fun facts. Just was looking on FanDuel to see what the price is there. It's even money, actually, on FanDuel to, for the Eagles to win. All right, all right. We'll be running to that <laughs> right after this episode. Wow, that's that's shocking to me. That's yeah. shocking. Uh, <laughs> nice reference you, there. Uh, NFC North. This is where we made our money last year when we bet the Vikings, and we were feeling pretty, pretty cool. Uh, the Lions are the favorite. That's not a typo. At plus 130, the Vikings at plus 275, Bears at plus 380, and the Packers, who have owned this division, are abandoned at plus 500. Obviously, I'm not betting the Lions. I know you already did, like a square, so just uh, tell me where you're going. I hate myself. Absolutely hate myself. Put my money on this team. I trusted them to make good moves in the NFL draft, and they did not in the first round. However, I think that you know, if you got the better price, like I bet it at, I think one plus one sixty. I wouldn't take the plus one thirty. I think right now, an in- interesting thought process is: Hey, what about Chicago at plus three eighty? Like, I know Justin Fields has flaws as a passer, but they did a lot to try to support him, bringing in DJ Moore, upgrading the offensive line. They added a lot in free agency on their defensive side of the ball. So I think at plus three eighty, like this, there's a lot of I think. You know, between Minnesota, Chicago, and Detroit, there's a lot of variance here. Like nine and a half wins for Detroit is the most in the division at the line, but Green Bay and Chicago are both at seven and a half. So there's not a lot to separate these teams. You don't have like a a Chiefs or an Eagles in the division where it's an eleven and a half win total or something that you can say like, look, these long shots probably aren't going to hit. I could see a case for any of these, but I think Chicago at plus three eighty is honestly probably my best value on, on this this division. I have such a hard time with Chicago. Like they're plus one sixty to make the playoffs. I don't mind that route. It's a tough division. It's it's so much closer than people realize. And the Packers at plus two hundred to make the playoffs is a bet that I've already made. I just think that there's you know, I'm not asking them to go ten wins, but like eight, nine wins in a weaker NFC. I like that one a lot. I still don't mind them at plus five hundred to win the division. I don't know what Jordan Love is. I'm not this is, I'm not a Jordan Love truther at all. But this team still has a ton of pieces and I can't say that Aaron Rodgers was elite last year by any means. So I kind of like the Packers as a, as for some reason as a dark horse in this one. But it's also me saying the Lions are turds. <laughs> that, that's actually what you're saying with that. That's wager. my analysis. No, I honestly think any of these te- teams could win it. Seriously. So if you have a take on one of these long shots, like I said, I really don't think that's a bad idea at all. When you when you have these prices, the market doesn't know how to value these teams. And right now, they're so jumbled together that I don't think there should be this big of a gap between the yes. Packers and the Lions. I do agree the Lions are the best team on paper, but variance happens every year. So I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it. Because when you look at their strength of schedules, our schedule-adjusted projections, it's it's probably the closest division uh, both Norths are. AFC North, NFC North, you could really say that both of them are. Let's move 
to the Dirty Dirty South, NFC South. The Buccaneers are laughably a first place team in first place schedule. So, uh, man, it's really easy to just look at the Bucks and say, well, I'm going to wipe them off the board at plus 700. Bets, they are favored in, let me count this, one game this year. Sad times for Tampa. Yeah, so we're not going to be really talking about the, the Buccaneers at six and a half. We already talked about on the last show we would take their under. And as the day, I was driving the other day and I was just thinking, man, is this like the the triple hammer? Is this the five unit place it all banger play of the year? <laughs> Which was last year, your Cardinals. That was your wager. Cardinals, yes. Yeah, so is it, is it the under on the Buccaneers this year? Look, man, it's early in the offseason, and you can get a lot of dangerous information from Twitter, but there was a video <laughs> of the Bucks quarterbacks <laughs> working with the tight ends. No pass rush, no offensive line, no defensive backs, and Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask are just airmailing these dudes left and right. So <laughs> I'm worried officially about Tampa, and the schedule is absolutely brutal for a team, like you said, last year that was a first-place team, and they weren't even good last year. Like That's the state of the division, so... Yeah, I mean, I've laid it already. I don't think I'm going to bet it again. But if you can still find six and a half under at like minus 125 to minus 130, I'd absolutely be playing it. There are some alternate markets that you can look at. Uh, under six and a half is minus 130. Under four and a half plus 240. Just oh, that's the, interesting. The, it could just the, could completely, uh, the bottom could it fall could, out here. For sure. And the opening schedule, we talked about that is rough in weeks like one through eight. There's a real chance this team could be two and six, one and seven in the first two months of the year. The rest of the division, I don't mind placing the Saints still a plus 115. Um, I think the Falcons are one of those teams that are picking in the top 10 that have a fourth place schedule that you can also look at. We're kind of down on the Panthers. We took their under seven and a half. So any takes on the Saints or Falcons? Yeah, we talked about both teams. The, their schedule, when you look at um, strength of schedule, these two teams, New Orleans and Atlanta, by far the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL are these two teams. And so when I look at this, I don't think the Falcons are a bad play. We talked about them being a really good bet for over at 7.5 wins, and at 8.5 it felt kind of right. But in this market where you're just betting on kind of these extremes to happen or these ceiling outcomes, look, Desmond Ritter, he might be bad. It might be really bad, but... This team showed that they can move the football with Marcus Mariota last year. And so if you're getting any sort of upgrade on that sort of play, which I do think we were going to get, you know, I don't think there should be this big of a gap between the Saints and Atlanta. And just for reference, you can get Atlanta. I just saw, I think it was like plus 280 uh, on Caesars. I don't know if that price is going to stick around very long, but that is one that I would certainly be playing. All right, final division we're going to talk about is the NFC West. Cardinals, we've already kind of laughed off. But the 49ers were a team that we took their under when it was 11 and a half. It's down to 10 and a half now. And you have to lay minus 150 for the division. The Seahawks are a team that we've steamed for a while. And I feel like you were banging this drum in like March. Like, hey, so why is this market a bit off? But they're at plus 200 now. So it's a little different than what it was two months ago. Are you still on the Seahawks train? Yes. On FanDuel, they are plus 260. Uh, I still like that. When I took it, I think it was plus 275 or something like that along those lines. I can't remember because it was honestly like a month and a half ago. But it was all about essentially fading that the quarterback play for San Francisco with what's going on. You know, Trey Lance, the situation is probably over. It's probably done for Trey Lance, which, by the way, 
real quick, I do not understand why he is like a 15th round pick in best ball. I, I don't know. I think it's a burn, uh, wasting a pick if you're taking Trey Lance this year. I think we just got to cut ties and move on, man. It's, it's the, the writing's on the wall. But Brock Purdy is coming off major elbow, elbow surgery. He is going to start throwing very soon. He will ramp up his volume over the course of time. But there's no guarantee that he returns in week one, that he's there in week two, that he's 100%. And so you could see Sam Darnold making starts for this team. And really, when you're considering starting quarterback play in the NFL, it's so important, even for Kyle Shanahan. I understand he's a great coach. He schemes it for his guys. But then we looked at the market and we said, well, the other two teams that had an 11.5 win total were Joe Burrow's team and Pat Mahomes' team. And this team is is very different. So we took the under on 11.5. And because of that, I was like, well, if we like the under there, Seattle's just mispriced when I when I took it, and I think still mispriced at plus two sixty. If Geno Smith plays, I don't even want to say the same as last year, but eighty percent, eighty five percent of how he was last year, and they add you know a lot to their class from this year to what they had last year, where they hit on all their rookies. If they hit on these guys, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Devin Witherspoon, two premier positions that they took. The Lions did not take these premier positions. So the Seahawks are kind of building in a smart way. And I just think they're underpriced relative to the opportunity that they have in this division because we know the situation with the Cardinals. We don't really need to talk about it. It's not good. And the Rams, we took the under. So if we're kind of fading those two teams, like it's a two-horse race, and I wouldn't make these teams this far apart in their odds. The only issue I have with Seahawks when I look at their depth chart is what are they doing at pass rush? That's like yeah, what's scary. That scares me <laughs> because they've built out the secondary. They've killed it in the draft. I, that's just the one spot. It's like, okay, you can have it as many elite corners as possible, but if you're not rushing the passer the way that you need to, uh, that's not as good. They weren't good against the run as well last year, so just just keep that in mind. But they're a team that we like a lot. Rams, we took their under earlier. So many things have to go right for this team. It, it's a razor-thin margin with a depth chart that we've kind of poked holes in. If you look in the best ball primer, if you look in our team opportunity, like their their depth chart's nothing uh, on offensive skill position players behind Cooper Cup. So we're kind of off them, but Seahawks are kind of our, our favorite play. Let's move to the awards markets. You've got some steam on some of these, so I'll 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 drive and then uh I'll I'll let you uh take the wheel in just a second. But MVP market. I personally do not bet MVP unless there's a crazy odds before the year. So I bet Sol Lamar a couple years ago. I don't know if you remember, I was like all about Kyler and he was the favorite through the first half of the year. And then it was just bad. It was really bad. But the last, well, since 2013, it's been a quarterback every single year. There was a blip where Adrian Peterson won it, but this is a quarterback market. We're not really going to talk about other positions, right? Yeah, honestly, if you're betting anything other than quarterback, truthfully, probably just, um, you know, giving the folks at DraftKings or FanDuel or wherever you bet a, a nice little solid tip <laughs> because the trends are, are very obvious. It's quarterback. And the issue with that is that in the last, I would say, like four years, you could oftentimes find a silly price on a quarterback where we all knew it was going to be a quarterback, but the books would put some lines for receiver and running back that just weren't right. And so you could find value this year. It seems like the market has definitely caught up that it's going to be a quarterback. And so they reflected that in the odds. So I agree with you. I used to love betting this market. I don't really like it much anymore just because the value I think is gone. You can get value over the course of the year, certainly. But right now I just, there's one bet I took and I don't even feel that great about it. Truthfully. 
yeah, I've actually done well the last couple of years where I bet Aaron Rodgers at about the, I don't know, three quarters of the way when Brady was the favorite. And so last year, same thing. I bet Mahomes at about three quarters when Hertz was the heavy favorite. So I think this market overcorrects and the last month of the season is way more important than people realize, which I kind of hate. Like Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, was the MVP of the league. If he would have been hurt weeks one and two, as opposed to weeks, what was that, 15 and 16 or 16 and 17, then I think he would have won the award. But that's just, it's all about the timing. It's all about how you finish. Let me give you some laughable names though. Okay. Cause this is how, you know, this is a quarterback market. <clears throat> What if I told you that right now in DK, Sam Darnold has better odds to win MVP than Justin Jefferson? <laughs> that, we could stop right there. That's all you need to know about this market. No, it, no, no, no. The no, value is no, gone. I need, no, no, no. I need to tell you this one, though. What if I told you... <laughs> this one's so funny. What if I told you that Matt Ryan <laughs> has better odds to win MVP than uh, Stefan Diggs? No. Is that real? Cup? Yes. Matt Ryan right now in DK is, <laughs> plus, is, is 100 to 1. So, hey, uh, injury happens. He's out of the booth. He's back on the field. Matty Ice goes on a run. I mean, hey, come on now, 100 to 1. I wonder if they get a bet in for Matt Ryan at, you know, plus 10,000. If the like DK people like have to say, like, hey, we need to go send a well check on this person <laughs> for betting this <laughs> Flag stupid, their account. stupid. <laughs> like, I hope they just put it in there just so they can make sure somebody. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of down on MVP. You do need wins. We'll at least say that. Like you need double digit wins for that to happen. And they're usually quarterbacks. Let's talk about offensive player of the year. Cause this is where you and I were lockstep on this. We were lockstep last year. We placed two big bets. Well, not huge, but these are the two we felt like were values. It was Aaron Jones last year and Justin Jefferson. And we hit with Justin Jefferson. So do you have a read this year on right now? Justin Jefferson's the favorite. Tied with Jamar Chase at plus 1,000. Where are you feeling frisky? Yeah, so before we get to that take, I think Jamar Chase is an okay play on Fandle. He's plus 1,200 over there. Uh, look, the, this is a passing league. You're seeing a ton of volume. The uh, Bengals last year from week four on were eighth in pass rate over expectation. They literally said, Joe Burrow, go win these games for us. And we know how good Joe Burrow is. So I don't actually hate that. It's kind of, I don't like betting the favorites, but I, I do see a path for Jamar Chase this year. That said, I think there's some absolute egregious prices out there. We alluded to it at the top of the show. My favorite bet on the board, and I messaged Kyle the other day. I said, hey, I have a couple of guys that I like. Just look at the odds. Give me a few guesses that you think I might be talking about here. And he hit it. And it's CD Lamb to an offensive uh, player Ooh. of the year at 80 to, I'm sorry, sorry. It's <laughs> not that bad. That's a different player. 60 to 1 on BetMGM is a very, very bad misprice, in my opinion, relative to the other books where we're seeing him, you know, at like 40 to 1 or 35 to 1 or uh, something like that. But at 60 to 1, you're talking about one of the best receivers in the NFL. He was top 10 last year in receptions, yards, and receiving touchdowns with a 28.7% target share and 2.39 yards per route run. I love this opportunity to fade the Mike McCarthy, establish the run, rest our defense sort of stuff. Because when the chips are down, they're going to do what they have to do to win the ball game. And when you're looking at the depth chart, they've talked all about wanting to run the ball, but they don't have any. Like They have Tony Pollard, who has never held up for an entire season or hasn't given the opportunity. Ronald Jones, Malik Davis. I, I, I'd love to fade that narrative and just kind of play into a, a talented player. So 
at 60 to 1 on BetMGM. That's our favorite bet this year on the board. It has already been, been made by both of us, and we would encourage you to grab that line if you can before it moves. Yeah, if you want to ride with the boys, CD oh, Lamb. CD Lamb um, just for 60 to 1, just to give you some context on DK61, Taysom Hill. So, uh, <laughs> why, that, that, why are you laughing, Kyle? Line, why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm laughing at sports books that just lay lines that don't make a ton of sense. Uh, yeah, I, so what's funny is Chase stood out to me and I wish he was more of a value. And just to think about this market since 2017, Todd Gurley, a running back, Mahomes, Michael Thomas, Derrick Henry, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson. So it's turning into a market where who has an outlier season at one of the skill positions. That's what we're looking at right now. So that's why quarterbacks are so much further down. Like it's it's odd to see the MVP one way and the offensive player another year, but that's kind of where people have said like, oh, we're already going to vote for them for MVP. So uh, I don't mind Cooper Cup. I think he's pretty far down there. He's not going to get a season like he did two years ago, but he's interesting. A.J. Brown, I think, is pretty far down there. Like, he could have a outlier touchdown season. I kind of like him. Any other names you want to throw out there? Yeah, real quick, too. One other thing that I was noticing looking back at this, I stopped going back when I was going back to 2010 because I was like, okay, this trend is, is strong enough. Every player that has won this has come from a playoff team. So I'm not looking at the you know, Hollywood Browns of the world, or I don't even know, Damian Pierce from the Texans. Like I, I, I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to bet on the teams, the players from the teams I think can make the playoffs. And one other name that really stuck out to me, two names, actually, uh, Nick Chubb is 35 to one on bet rivers. He's like 25 to one on FanDuel. Uh, and I think like 30 to one on DraftKings, something like that. So Nick Chubb, like you look at the depth chart and you really don't have to tell yourself a story where it goes very well from him from a workload standpoint. We're talking about guys like, you know, Jerome Ford is is the threat, quote-unquote threat, for carries there as it stands right now. And we've got reports last week, they're probably out on Kareem Hunt. And so are they going to bring in someone that's kind of at the end of their career, maybe like a Leonard Fournette type of guy if they want to? But Nick Chubb has been historically efficient throughout his entire career. If he actually gets just entire backfield to himself... Deshaun Watson returns the form. If they make the playoffs, I think Nick Chubb is going to be a key cog in why they do that. So I don't mind him at that price. I'll also throw out, and this is one that I was shocked that you kind of, I don't say you disagree with me, but you were like, I just don't see it. Um, it's Chris Olave. And this is the 80 to one price that I was going to tell everyone about on BetMGM. It's just a misprice for a guy that is extremely talented. The Saints have by far the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. They're the favorite to win the division. A nine and a half win total says that this team is going to be pretty good, assuming Derek Carr can't support an elite weapon. And we just saw him do that with Devonta Adams one year ago. Chris Olave, fifth in yards per route run uh, last year in terms of looking at rookies since uh, 2011 was the fifth best. You're talking about guys like OBJ, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase in their rookie season. So that's how good he was. If he takes a step forward, if he gets into 30% target share, if Michael Thomas is just done, 80 to 1 is a bad price. So I'm in on that I, 80 to 1. I like your reasoning, and you know that I'm going to be behind Chris Olave most of the time. My question was the volume, how much he's going to get. You brought up how Derek Carr kind of does hyper target whoever his best buddy is on the team. It's, you know, Devontae Adams. Uh, Michael Crabtree, Amari Cooper, like he's kind of always been that kind of guy. Hunter Renfro. Uh, the goat. 
Yeah, so he's 60 to 1 on DraftKings, so you're saying that 80 to 1 is not the smartest place for them to. Uh what about uh Desmond Ritter plus 250 to, or 250 <laughs> to 1? <laughs> oh, you are a sick individual, Kyle. Absolutely. Hey, sick. he's got worse odds than Zeke and Jarvis Landry who don't have a team. <laughs> That's pretty funny actually. That, all right, let's go to offensive rookie of the year. Um this market, you don't have to make the playoffs. Like going back, I went all the way back to twenty or two thousand and five when I was in college. Cadillac Williams, um, you don't have to make the playoffs. Garrett Wilson didn't last year, two years ago. Herbert, Kyler Murray, Saquon, you just need the best statistical rookie year of the group. So Bijan's the favorite, then Bryce Young, which I don't agree. Anthony Richardson, we brought up earlier, plus six hundred. JSN at plus eight hundred. Feels like he has a safe floor. Like I don't know the ceiling when you have other two other players there, but Bijan feels like the square bet at plus two fifty, right? Kind of, but at the same time, I understand it. You know, especially if we think the Falcons can perform with that offensive line. I mean, last year that offensive line was number one in PFF run blocking grade. They were very good at moving the football on the ground, and they've talked about being more balanced this year. The selection of Bijan Robinson eighth overall says otherwise. So could he give you 275 carries in total of more than 300 touches? I think that's very, very, very possible. He's going in round one of of best ball leagues for a reason. I don't hate it. I I do think it is a square play, but I understand it. And a comp that I've seen from other people, which I do agree with, is like we haven't seen this running back prospect profile since Saquon Barkley in 2018 when he just got so much work for New York. Um, And I think he won it that year, didn't he, in 2018? Yeah, Yeah, Saquon won. Right, so I can see that path for sure. So I actually don't hate the bet. I'll give you a long shot that I don't mind. Uh, Devon A. Chain's at thirty-five to one, which just feels like way down there. Like it's behind Josh Downs, behind Tajay Spears. So it's just an offense that I like. It's not so much saying like he's built to be the offensive player or offensive rookie of the year, but let's say that this offense just hums and he's utilized in the best way. I trust Mike McDaniel. I think his odds should be more like plus you know, 2,500 or, or plus 2,000 then buried down there. So he's he's someone, I'm not going to take a tight end. It's really hard for me to look at these quarterbacks and say, I believe, other than Richardson. So, yeah, it's, it's a market where I'm probably going to wait again. And I know that sounds so bad for people, but, you know, you wouldn't have said Garrett Wilson was the dude uh, right from week one. In fact, Garrett Wilson, we look back at our best ball data, he was taken 118th overall last year after some pretty funny names, like after Chase Claypool. Yeah, that's wild. Um, I We already talked about the Anthony Richardson stuff. A 9-1, to one, I think it's, a, it's an okay play. And it is you know one of those situations where it's tough for these guys that are way down the board to beat three quarterbacks because the rookie quarterbacks, if they start the entire season, like they're going to put up numbers, at least that are that are good enough to compete for this award. So I think he's the best quarterback value, in my opinion, behind Stroud and Bryce Young. Also throughout, I think Jameer Gibbs is fine. I mean, they took him 12th overall. They clearly have a plan for him. We talked about the issues with uh, the Lions wide receiver core as far as their lack of depth. If Jameer Gibbs gives you that sort of receiving profile to touch the ball, you know, 200 times this year in an offense that could score a lot of points, he makes sense. So I think those three are my favorite, Bijan, Anthony Richardson, and Jameer Gibbs. All right, one more award here. The Comeback Player of the Year. DeMar Hamlin is the overwhelming favorite on a lot of books. 
On FanDuel, he's only minus 250, but this is a narrative ward. Like, you have to kind of realize that it's spun in such a way where you have to think about not just raw stats, but also the context for each player. So, Lamar's in that mix, Tua, John Mechie, uh, a lot of players coming off injury, Brees Hall, Cooper Cup, uh, Russell Wilson, just because people feel sorry for him. So... Do you have a certain lean? I know you have a long shot that you like. Yeah, what's interesting about the DeMar Hamlin thing is like, if he was a starter in the NFL, there's no question. This this is his award to lose. And I, I do think that's still the case and the, the odds reflect it. But like, what if DeMar Hamlin, like he was only playing last year because of injuries to the secondary. Their secondary is much improved from a health perspective. So I'm not here to say that I'm not super excited and happy and thrilled with the story that developed. I think it's an incredible story. But if he's just like a special teams guy or like a third string safety, do you think people actually vote for him? I have no idea. And that's why this, this market is so tough. But one of my favorite values on the board right now, all the way down at plus 7,500 on FanDuel, which is just crazy, is is Calvin Ridley. And I know that this is a narrative and you might say people won't vote for him because he was suspended because of a gambling you know thing. But he did write that very heartfelt letter in the Players' Tribune I think that kind of got him back on good good terms, maybe with the general media. And look, the Jaguars, there's a lot to like about Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, heavy passing volume. If Calvin Ridley returns to the guy he was, and I have zero clue if that's going to happen, like this is a player who caught 90 balls for almost 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns when he played a full season in 2020. It's a very long time ago. I understand that. But 7,500 <laughs> is just wild to me. He's behind Baker Mayfield. He's the same price as Mac Jones. He's behind Kyler Murray. Like, it's just a misprice. And, that, and that's the point of this is you sprinkle a little bit on and, and hope for the best. But behind him and, and you know, the obvious favorite in Demar Hamlin, it's a very tough market to understand. I'm kind of interested in Derek Carr at 65 to 1, knowing what we know about their schedule and just the narrative of, oh, he was cast off from, you know, Las Vegas and now he leads his team. Like, let's say, let's say the Saints win 11, 12 games. And they're in contention being the one or two seed in the NFC. I think there's a lot there that he should be priced. Why is Foster Moreau ahead of him? Like Foster Moreau's story is is like great from that sense, but it also feels like short lived over the last month since he's now on the field. So is Sam Darnold at plus three thousand? Like, no, no, not at all. Like I, I want to throw up. So Derek Carr sixty five to one. I. I like that. It's, I like it as a long shot. Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, it's kind of interesting because it's like, what is he coming back from? But you, you laid it out, right? He like kind of had a falling out with the team, and if they do, if they do exceed expectations, I think he's a big reason why. So I don't hate that, especially at the price. All right, a couple more markets here: players to lead, player to lead the league in passing yards. Mahomes the favorite at plus fifty five hundred or plus. 550. I was like, whoa, baby, we're betting that. <laughs> is this a Justin Herbert market for you? Yes and no. So I think he's got a great chance to lead the league in passing. When you think about the addition of Kellen Moore, Keenan healthy again, Mike Williams healthy again. They add a first round receiver. The offensive line is back healthy. He's got the best receiving running back, arguably. I mean, you could say Christian McCaffrey in Austin Eckler. So it all lines up for Justin Herbert, who I definitely want to buy into this year in all forms, the betting market, best ball, you know, uh, DFS, we'll be doing all that. I think it's better maybe to play him as an MVP winner, which is, is the one I took at plus uh, 
1500 on Caesars is the best price I could find. Went into our UDK, projections from Andy, Mike, and Jason. Two of the guys have him up there at the top. Andy is projecting over 5,000 yards for Mr. Justin Herbert, and we took the over at 4,300 uh, 4, and a half was his receiving prop. We gave that out in Discord. We took the over on that as well on Caesars. So there's a lot to like about it, and I think if the Chargers do win the division, if they do come out and, and have a great season and make the playoffs again, Justin Herbert's going to be a major reason why. And so when I think about that Kellen Moore offense, I definitely want to buy into Justin Herbert this year. Yeah, there, there's some interesting names, but it, it feels pretty top-heavy when you look at pure pass attempts, pass rate over expectation. Uh, I, I don't mind Josh Allen at plus 1,000, um, especially if they said, hey, he'll run less. But um, players to lead the league in rushing yards. All right, this was Josh Jacobs coming out of nowhere last year and being the dude. Jonathan Taylor is the current favorite at plus 800, tied with Derrick Henry. And we already mentioned how much we like Nick Chubb. So any takes in this market? Yeah, I like this Nick Chubb bet. Um, you're getting him at 10 to 1 behind guys like Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry, which I'm a little worried about. Like, I, I don't understand, I guess, personally, I would not line it that way because we know mobile quarterbacks tend to take away volume, not only targets, but also rush attempts for the running back. So I'm a little lower, and you'll see that in my best ball ranks on Jonathan Taylor relative to market. I would not make him the favorite. And Derrick Henry, I, I totally get it. He could just come out and smash regression in the face. But he is entering age 29 season. We see the dip often happen. And we talked about a lot of the fragility with the Titans in general. So I love Nick Chubb. We talked about the depth chart. There's no uh, competition for touches. Both Andy and Jason actually have him in the UDK and their projections leading the league in rushing. So I like him for offensive play of the year. I certainly like him in this market as well. I mean, you know I'm a big Nick Chubb guy. As a, as a former Georgia player who basically from day one couldn't get on the field because Hugh Jackson was an idiot. And then said, hey, maybe I should play him. And he has these two monster runs against the Raiders. It was Carlos Hyde, wasn't it? He was the yes. RB1. <laughs> yes, and it was just the, well, we got to play the veterans. And Nick Chubb went for like three for 104 like in the same game. Like He was just awesome and awesome ever since. So Nick Chubb is probably a little mispriced. Bijan is going to get a ton of attempts at plus 1,400. He's interesting. When you start to go lower, though, you – it makes sense. Like, I, I can't really find it. Najee's going to get a ton of attempts. The question is his efficiency. So at 35 to 1, I like the value, but I I have a hard time seeing the Steelers being a top 10 rushing offense. 300 touches doesn't equate to leading the league in rushing. Agreed. And that price to me is one that definitely was like, ooh, this feels like a trap, but also I can see it. So to me, this is the $10 wager that you make right now. You forget it ever happened. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, you're like, oh. I didn't realize I bet that one. Whoops. But the line is, I think, off relative to the volume he'll get. All right. Last one we're going to talk about here. Player to lead the league in receiving yards. You know who the favorites are at the top. Jefferson and Chase at plus 750. I feel like Chase is a player that I'm just on because Jefferson was on last year. And I think that on a per game basis and per target basis, he's been unstoppable so i still don't mind laying that chase this is another market where i'm just going to sprinkle some some other options the chris olaves of the world late but uh, any take for you yeah it is a tough market because those guys are so good at the top um i think there's a case to be made for steph Diggs. he's at uh, 20 to 1 
we talked about you know Josh Allen just obviously being a, a player we want to attach ourselves to this year for obvious reasons. The pass rates there. I also don't think Garrett Wilson is a bad bet at twenty five to one when you consider that he showed so much potential and promise last year with egregious quarterback play. And if Aaron Rodgers comes in and is eighty percent of the player he's been in his career, he's going to be head and shoulders above what was there last year. So if if Garrett Wilson really is that dude, which I think he is, and we've been kind of interested in the over on their win total as a value bet in the the division, Garrett Wilson to me at twenty five to one makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, we mentioned earlier C.D. Lamb, offensive player of the year. You could totally go there. It's not as great a bet for him to lead the league in receiving at twenty eight to one. Um, so we would rather have the offensive player of the year, but he's another name that we are higher on. I think we're just higher on the Cowboys passing offense than the rest of the community. Is that, is that just us zigging while everybody else is saying it's just going to run a ton? I, I mean, I always like to just follow the, the team's transactions. And I, I know, again, we've talked about already, like the quotes from McCarthy are not great. <laughs> They're actually kind of concerning, but when you follow the fa- the fact that you know Michael Gallup is off ACL in year two, he's talked about how healthy he feels. They add Brandon Cooks. They don't really add running backs. Like maybe they pass more than we think, or maybe they're just right around league average, which I think is going to be fine for CD Lamb. So I'm not overreacting to that too much. And you know when you look at again the depth chart, they don't have the backs to support what Mike McCarthy has said. So I agree with you. I think we're lower on that narrative than most people. That said, I'm very excited to come out in week one and find out that Mike McCarthy is called a run play on first down every single time. <laughs> and we're just we're just so wrong. <laughs> That's going to be a really good prop to bet. Just a first play, run, uh, like we did in the Super Bowl. Uh, you can definitely do that for that game. That's going to do it for this episode. Next week, the Ultimate Draft Kit will be out, including our best ball rankings and best ball primer. It will be in the app for you. So rest up, people, because you have a lot of reading to do, a lot of time to spend with us, in the best ball streets bets tell the people bye yes that is going to be an experience if you need to get new glasses get your eyes checked now is the time because you're gonna be on your phone and your computer a lot when the udk comes out very excited for you all to check it out and check out the best ball primer best ball rankings in there we'll catch you next week have a good weekend thank you for listening to another edition of the fantasy footballers dfs and betting podcast Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday. I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.